sing. <laughs> la 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 Yeah. You're listening to the SBNY podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Joining me in just a moment is our friend Over from the SportsQuotient.com, Kevin Law. He was here at about, we did the calculation before, early November. So about week nine, did we say it was, Kevin? I'm not sure. But it feels like a whole long time ago. It does feel like quite a while ago. We've had, obviously, our main topic then was NFL. And I guess today it'll be, since we just finished Super Bowl, it feels like it was an eternity ago in regards to all the craziness we've had uh, in the NFL season. It really was ridiculous, and the storylines have changed drastically, and now we have the Philadelphia Eagles as the Super Bowl champions. A wor- uh, words that I, I, I've never said before, and words who knows Words that we'll no say one's again. ever said before. Exactly. No one's ever said. And now we could finally say the Eagles have a Super Bowl. And I was making a thing of that last week, Kevin. I did a solo pod, and I was talking about how people, you know, who didn't want people? You know the people who didn't want to see the Patriots even in the Super Bowl. They wanted the Jaguars to win, right? And, and that really bothered me because if you want to see a, like some stakes, you can hate the Patriots, love the Patriots, whatever. Want them to win, want them to lose. But if the Patriots aren't in that game, there's no stakes, man. You got losers in the Jaguars. You got losers in the Eagles, and one of them's obviously going to win. But now we had the big dynasty of the Patriots and the city that goddamn they just wanted one. And goddamn, did the Eagles get one? And obviously, the city of Philadelphia went insane. And that is another great reason why you're here with me today, is because you were dead center in the action after the game on Sunday night. Dude, what was it like in Philly? It was crazy. So literally, as the clock hit zero, so I was in uh, Center City with some of my friends from college. Uh, I just crashed on one of their couches. I was not going to take the chance of trying to drive out of the city uh, last night. I thought that would not be smart. Smart um, move. College dollars but, must have paid off. Uh, yes, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but right as we finished, we basically walked out, and there were people going to the streets right away, uh, everyone going towards, like, uh, Center City area, Um like by Broad Street mainly is I'm sure you've uh, seen some of the pictures on social media of Broad Street is basically like line mobs and mobs of people. Uh, it was crazy. There was I, I know there was a big thing before the like NFC Championship game of they were putting Crisco on the light poles to try and prevent people from doing like going up the light poles. Uh, but didn't I remember stop a damn one of them. It, it didn't stop one of them, so they just didn't. <laughs> Uh, Philly police said, we're not dealing with this. We're not worrying about this this time. So there were people going up on light poles. There were people going on top of, I know one of the things that people were saying was the Ritz Carlton, the, oh, yeah. the awning in front of the Ritz Carlton. So there were a couple of videos that I saw on it, which were crazy. Uh, one was someone was doing like backflips and then I thought they were going to like fall to their death basically when they did the trust fall off it. I was oh, like, yeah, you trust was, all these drunk was... people to catch you from that far up. Uh, but that was uh, a bold statement, a bold decision by them to do that. And then uh, obviously uh, later in the night, there was like 30 or so people on it and the whole thing came crashing down. So that was uh, crazy in itself. 
Uh, but my some other things that I saw, there was like fireworks just going off amongst civilians. Like there was people like dancing on top of cars. It was it was very exciting. I'm not actually an Eagles fan, but yeah, it was wait, something hold that. On, hold on. That's also a really awesome point about this whole story is because, you know, people sitting here listening to SBNY podcast, I would just, if I had to take a guess, they probably weren't in Philly, right? I don't know. Maybe they were. We have anyone could listen to this show, right? But for sure, you're a non Eagles fan who, you know, you didn't obviously don't hate the Eagles. You were excited for being in the city for this win. And, and you get to see it from that, that little bit of a third party perspective. And, and that makes me real happy because I can imagine you just taking a qu- extra glance at some of the debauchery going around. Is there one like really, really bizarre thing that, that just like not, maybe not something that bad, just something bizarre that really caught your attention. I don't know if anything I saw in person, I thought was too crazy. I think, I, I think I'll, I'm actually maybe a little grateful that I didn't, I guess, personally see anything uh, too crazy, but um. Just online, I guess, some of the videos that you saw of, like, people flipping over the cars, I'm like, I can't – if that was my car, I'd be in, like, panic mode (laughs) if I saw it (laughs) because I would be, like, mad, but I would be, like, so scared to confront a group of, like, drunk Philly fans flipping over my car. Um, But, yeah, when you see stuff like that and you see just, like, random, like, things that are, like – I don't know if I'd call it bonfires or – things that are on fire in the middle of the streets. Um, <laughs> when you see stuff like that, it's, it's crazy. Hope, hopefully there were no serious injuries, God forbid deaths. Uh, but it was definitely a, like, even as, like I said, as a non Eagles fan, it was a once in a lifetime experience to see the chaos, uh, following an Eagles Super Bowl. um, and me and P were actually talking about this before before the pod, where uh, Philly, the Eagles specifically, with, and their connection with Philadelphia, it's like very few other teams uh, in their respective city or wherever. Where we compared them like the Jets and Giants, who a there's two teams that are splitting up a fan base, but also they don't even, they don't play in New York. They're kind fans are kind of like. I guess like scattered across like the North part of New Jersey and like parts of New York and whatnot. But I feel like Philly fans and the connection with Philadelphia and the Eagles, it is something completely different that uh, it's, it was definitely a cool experience to be there. Yeah. Right. Like for me, unless I was already in Manhattan, cause I don't specifically, I don't live inside of Manhattan. Like I'm not going to, after the giants win the Super Bowl, travel to Manhattan. And plus it's so big. Like, I would just be taking a stab in the dark of where I might see like a mob of people. Phil, it, it also comes down to Philadelphia, the city. If you haven't never been there, obviously you have, Kevin. But it's it's like a neighborhood in Manhattan. The whole is the whole downtown area of Philadelphia. It's obviously bigger than that. But the the part that looks like a city mostly it is like the size of a neighborhood or two in Manhattan. And that's why so many people were in one place. It must have been absolutely electric. I mean. Do you have any words to shed on the one like really ridiculous thing that's going around? The video of the guy with the poop. The, the guy in the I'd, poop I guy. Can we call little, him poop guy? Yeah, I 
was that was kind of that was disgusting. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, like what is that? I, saw, I mean, come on. <laughs> if I if I saw that in person, I probably would have puked. Honestly, you, you think so? If I saw that in person, I probably would have puked. <laughs> like that is, I don't know what makes you think that that's like like I don't know where you get to that line of like you won the Super Bowl that joy to wanting to eat poop. Like I can see doing like crazy things. Like I said, like climbing like. I know there are people like climbing light poles and like chucking beer bottles and whatever and like setting off fireworks and whatnot, but eating like poop. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think, I don't, I don't think even want to think of like where <laughs> that like line in your brain gets to that point. I, I, I just don't even want to think about it. You have to, you have to dig deeper, Kevin. You have to go deeper. Like I can't, like how is that even, you know how they say like when you're drunk, that reveals like, your natural, like your real self, like your, yes. like who's like even your deepest inner thoughts is thinking, man, I want to eat poop. Like who's Force thoughts, poop who's thinking too, that? Nonetheless. <laughs> nonetheless, I heard, uh, I was listening to the K show earlier and some fan called him with what I thought of, uh, it was just a great theory. And he said, you know how their, their dog, like they were doing the whole underdog thing with the hats and whatnot. Oh man. Oh no. Right. So he went with that and he goes, well, deep down, it's actually he was in in the Eagles hotel after they won the Super Bowl it was M Night Shyamalan like the director guy so he okay. goes this is actually a plot to a movie from M Night Shyamalan the whole time and the Eagles fans the people of Philadelphia are actually just dogs and that's why they're eating their own poop and I was like wow so, dude like this is a ridiculous theory but I respect your effort and like I was like giving a round of applause in my headphones and then quickly uh, one of the hosts shut him up and was like yeah well too bad he's eating horse poop. And dogs eat their own poop, so you're an idiot. And I was like, wow. My mind just went all over the place on that one. Maybe it's the punishment of – it's like it all went full circle. So uh, after the conference uh, ch- championship game, uh, there was, I guess, a drunk Philly fan who, I guess, like punched a police horse. Oh, yes. So maybe it's all come full circle. So someone had to pay it as tribute, had to eat the poop to get the – it had to be sacrificed, I guess. So since the guy who clearly uh, – who punched the horse clearly didn't pay it forward, this dude had to pay it backwards. Exactly. Damn. Shout out to that dude then because he, then he put it on for the whole city. <laughs> he did – he ate the poop for Philly. That's what we're going to go with. Hopefully he gets some free Bud Light because that was the thing too about Philly people getting free Bud Light. So he washed down the horse poop with a nice hard cold Bud Light. <laughs> also like if you're just known like for the rest of your life as a guy who like ate poop, like I don't know if what like future employers would think of that, what your future – girlfriends or wives or romantic interests would think of that like if there was ever a video of like me eating poop like (laughs) i don't think i'd ever get a date again like it's definitely a hard pill to swallow but not harder than the poop (laughs) sorry for that horrible i can't that (laughs) like i can't imagine what it would be like to just be known as like a poop eating guy like that's that's disgusting i that's, feel like you gotta go away for a while you know lay low hang with some family different move out of town you know go to south jersey for a little bit they'll fit right in <laughs> but moving, that's cruel that is cruel <laughs> moving on to some actual football topics i thought that's a good way to end 
Uh, but all, some would call it a good way to get out, too. <laughs> but moving on to the actual game, the game was pretty damn exciting. Uh, it was both very offenses, exciting. Both offenses couldn't be stopped, it seemed like, at certain points of the game. Uh, and there was the setup for Tom Brady, the great one, and the great Patriots to make their comeback. They were set up to do it, and they didn't do it with the strip sack. And then they were set up one more time, and they came within a Hail Mary. And it was electric. I don't know about you, Kevin, but I thought the game was great. What were it your was an overall, amazing game. What were Completely your overall agree. thoughts? Yeah, give me, give me your first overall thoughts. Um, so I guess the first thing that everyone – we're going to talk about Nick Foles. So I'll talk about something else first. And it was what you talked about where the Eagles made – and Tom Brady talked about it at the end of the game. People were saying he was throwing shade, but it was kind of right in the sense that the Eagles really only made one really big defensive play, and that was kind of surprising to me because I guess traditionally um, with the Patriots for the last few years at least, uh, the way you get beat Tom Brady is you get pressure with four, and that's where the Eagles like have made their money. Like The Eagles, like all their highest-paid defensive players are all like across their defensive line. Like that's their like those are the cream of the crop like guys that's one of the best D lines in football like I expected them to get home on Tom Brady at least a few times but they made the play when it counted so Brandon Graham made that one huge play and it was the play of the game essentially wouldn't you say though they were getting some decent pressure the whole game they were they just weren't getting to him and then they got the actual play at the end or did you do you think like the Patriots O line did a mighty fine job uh, up until that end? Um, I thought the Patriots O-line definitely played well, but going into the game, I would say, in my mind, if you ask me what was uh, the biggest mismatch that the e- I would say actually probably on both lines, I thought the Eagles had a pretty good mismatch. I thought their offensive line, and their offensive line played great against the New England front, but... Um, I thought go, where the Eagles have succeeded the whole year is up front. They've been really good on the offensive line. They've been really good on the defensive line. And um, like I, like you said, it wasn't necessarily that they weren't getting pressure. They got pressure every now, uh, decent pressure every now and then. But I thought that maybe like Fletcher Cox or Chris Law in his revenge game would have had a, a, a sack here or there and would have possibly had a big play earlier. But it – no one, no one in Philly cares now. Uh, just uh, in hindsight, it's something to think about. But definitely, no one in Philly cares that they didn't get a sack earlier in the game on Tom Brady. I don't know if they care about literally anything anymore. Like I think they could have, <laughs> like in hindsight, they could have been actually they could have like blacked out during the game and they won like two nothing on a safety and like it would be the same thing. At this point, like it's all gravy. Whatever happened doesn't even matter. <laughs> it's like you said. Uh, but for the rest of us who actually are interested in what's happening in the rest of the NFL and what this game could have meant for other teams, it brings us back to Nick Foles, who you mentioned before. This dude now plays his ass off in the playoffs. He crushes the Vikings. He plays fantastic against the New England Patriots. And he's a backup. But Kevin, is so he, is this he is really my Nick Foles take. Is he I've really? been on the Nick Foles is like, maybe he's not quote unquote elite or, like top like franchise guy, but I've been on the Nick Foles is like pretty good hill. I've been dying 
in, in the regular season at the end, it looked like I was going to die on that hill. But the Nick, Nick Foles, like, he has shown glimpses. And he had less, essentially his first, uh, I guess that was his second season as um, a semi-regular starter, at least. His first season, he only started, I think, like, I don't know, like, what, six games or something. But then his second season, that season with Chip Kelly, yeah. that historical season, I feel like it was fluky, but you can't put together that kind of season and not be at least pretty good. I don't think you can be a scrub and all the stars can align. If you're a scrub, you're not putting together a season like that. And it's shown through in the playoffs also, like against Minnesota, which is one, one of, if not the best defense in the NFL, torched them. And then I was actually arguably more impressed in the Super Bowl because you can argue that in the Vikings game, like as the game was going along, since the Vikings weren't really holding like they weren't really holding their own serve and the Eagles were kind of pulling away that the pressure kind of wasn't with Nick Foles the whole time, but with Brady that like, you know, that Brady was going to come back and obviously they took the lead and then Nick Foles was matching him punch for punch. Like, so that's what I was arguably even more impressed, even though the Patriots defense is not as good as the Vikings defense. But yeah, bring in the being whole, able the whole to thing. go the, punch the for punch with Tom Brady, uh, where you know that if you make a mistake, it could be that could be the game. And he didn't really I don't think he made any real mistakes. The one interception he threw was kind of on a fluky ball to Alshon that got tipped up in the air. It was also a that heat was, check. It was such a heat check. It was a heat check, but it wasn't like reckless. No, I, it wasn't right. that reckless to me. I, and Alshon was like, he looked like he was in control of that matchup early on. Yeah, he, he he had position, but I actually thought it was kind of pass interference. But it, that's besides the point. They were letting the but boys either, play. They were either way, the boys play. it wasn't um, in a, a it wasn't like an egregious int by any means. It wasn't his fault. It was just a fluky play. So but, wait, so let me let me stop you for a second before you go to a new subject and. I want to talk about Nick Foles as well. And basically, what, what the one thing I get stuck on here is, I, I hate using this term, that I don't want to say he's a system quarterback because I don't think that's true. I think there's multiple types of systems he can be good in. But the, the, the one thing that's common there is that he needs a system. When he has found the most success in the NFL, it was like you said with Chip Kelly and now again this year, where they changed the offense even more to this RPO heavy op, uh, yeah. attack, like Carson Wentz ran that, and he ran it with a little bit more of his mobility to to use to gain yards. Mm. Nick Foles did it to find these quick plays where he hits the receivers yeah. and these quick slants, and yeah. it, it works great for him. Yes, yeah, so that's why I want. Actually, I want to touch on that. So that was one of I guess my other Nick Foles takes was that the reason I think he struggled late in the regular season was because. Doug Peterson was using him a little bit too much like he used Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is obviously a very good athlete for a quarterback. He's, I don't know, arm talent, you can argue either way who's is better, but Carson Wentz is able to make plays with his legs that definitely Nick Foles can't make. And I think he just, Nick Foles just held on the ball too long sometimes. And it got, I think it got in his head a little bit. He needs to, it's, it's kind of like, a shooter getting into rhythm. If you see a couple go down, um, 
then that'll set up the rest of your game. But if you keep seeing miss after miss after miss, or if you start off with a couple incompletions, it, it got in his head a little bit. But uh, I think that bye week was huge going into the playoffs where it basically, they like wiped everything clean. They hit reset on the quarterback position in a sense where they basically changed up. Like you said, they changed up how uh, they wanted Nick Foles to play. They got, I think I looked up a stat before the super. So I haven't checked to see how the Super Bowl stats confirmed it, but uh, I think like he got the ball out of his hands uh, within under two and a half seconds, uh, like 20 or 30% more in the playoffs than this season than he did in the regular season, which is big I, for him because I definitely heard his ass as well. When his name was getting mentioned in his release times, they were up there with like the tops in the leagues. I forget exactly what they were, but in the small sample size, he was had the top numbers in the leagues. Yeah, but so the way I think of Nick Foles is the best thing that the best way that Nick Foles can be used is he's like a human jugs machine. Do you know what those are? The things that just quickly fling it out to the receipt, like oh, they yeah, use in yeah, receiver yeah. drills. With the two, uh, you know, turn, turn the, whatever. I don't know what they're called, but you know, I know what you're talking about. They shoot it out. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So right when he gets the ball, quick decision, balls out. Not, not too many reads, not like, and then quick decisions. Like you said, RPO heavy, already looking at the defense to almost predetermine where the ball is going, but ball in quick read, quick one, two read and get the ball out to the playmakers, not necessarily moving too much. Uh, It also, I do think that the stars were a little bit aligned with the, with this Eagles team. They had one of the best offensive lines in football. They had a really good running game that complemented his skill set really well. Uh, I think he, like I said before, he doesn't necessarily like to move around as much. Even though when he had to throw on the run a little bit in the playoffs, he looked really good. Even oh, I, yeah. I like think he, he looked he good could, all the time move. in the playoffs. He could move. But, he's just like he's not making the play where he's going to go run for a first down that often. Like maybe if he gets lucky, he'll do that once a game. He he could move outside the pocket though yeah. and, and move, throw on his feet. But Carson Wentz, I mean, man, actually, well, Carson I, Wentz I, is I another very, animal for sure. Carson Wentz is another animal athletically. I have a very but, specific question for you. For you specifically okay. as a as a Rams fan, because I don't know if we mentioned that today, uh, you are a Rams fan, right? So I am. Is there any part of the fan inside of you? Because obviously you're a fan of the entire sport, and you could separate the two. But look inside of your Rams fanhood. Is there any part of you that's just a little bit happy that it wasn't Wentz that won the Super Bowl? Because your guy is Jared Goff. I actually. I thought you were going to go another route with this question because Nick Foles is a former Ram. True. So I actually thought you were going to go a different route with this question. Well, so He was a Jeff Fisher Ram. I don't know if that counts. Yeah, th- that's fair. That's completely fair. All the – it was actually pretty crazy that Foles, Keenum, and Goff were the top three seeds in the NFC this year. That's, um, But like you said – That is wild. Uh, I don't think that – I'm, I have no issue with Carson Wentz. Like, I think he's a good player. I think right now, obviously, I think he's significantly better than Jared Goff. But I would say he's had a real offensive coach for longer. So for maybe one more year, this could, you mean? 
What do you mean? So he had an offense, a good offense coach for two years, and Goff had one? Yeah, had okay. one. So right, right. maybe Jared Goff, after being in this system for one year, because he already, his first year in the system, he's made huge leaps and bounds from his rookie year where people are already saying Unreal. he was going to be a bust. Oh, my God, it was great. Wait, think about this. Congratulations to you, by the way, because your coach won coach of the year, your running back won offensive player of the year, and your best defensive player won defensive player of the year, McVay. Gurley, Donald, sweep. That's that's incredible. Good, like good for you guys. And Jared Goff might be next because if the supporting cast is there and he's not that expensive yet, this is that window for the Rams to attack hard and try to do exactly what the Eagles just did, exactly what the Seahawks have done in the past. Pay everybody else while your quarterback's on the rookie contract and make it happen now. And Goff could have a year like this next year or the year after. And I don't think anybody would blink an eye because McVay is there and they're rolling. I agree. I think the Rams have a lot of really good pieces that I like, and I think it's just time to – now we can actually build on – before we were rebuilding, we've been rebuilding for years. We've been rebuilding for over a decade, but now we can actually build as opposed to rebuilding. We have a lot of good pieces in place. We have a pretty good quarterback. We have obviously a star running back. We have a lot of good pieces on defense. We have good offensive line. So – I think this is, like you said, this is within the next couple of years is our window to hopefully build something good. I don't know if it'll be a Super Bowl team by any means, but uh, I'm putting the pressure on you guys now. Super Bowl or season. bust? Nope, the pressure's on. I'm putting it on you guys right now. It's Super Bowl or bust, Kevin. If we're if, oh wow, <laughs> if, we're, oh, if wow. we're talking November sixth next in 2018, so full circle, and it's we it's not it's week nine, and the Rams aren't you know a top three seed in the conference you're 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 done you're never coming on the podcast again oh my oh wow that is that's quite the threat that's quite <laughs> yeah, the right? threat your life would be so so much worse <laughs> I, I was gonna say oh uh, so this past this year this current year was the first season since i was a very a little kid that the rams made the playoffs and I actually flew out to la to see the game which is pretty cool and if they make the Super Bowl, I know it'll be a quite a hit in the wallet. But if they make the Super Bowl, I'll have, I'd have to look into possibly making a trip. Wait, look into this. How about this? I'll, let's make a deal. If the Rams make the Super Bowl in the next two years, me and you do whatever we can to get credentialed, and we get, we're, we get on Radio Row somehow. I'm down. That's the plan. Down. That's the real plan. I'm down. I'm 100% down. <laughs> let's get credentialed and uh, maybe a little sponsorship. I don't know. Anybody uh, willing to sponsor two, two, two guys from the Northeast trying to cover a Super Bowl? That, that, that's us. We're your guys. I'm, I'm 100% down. <laughs> but wait, Kevin, we got to keep this thing moving, actually, because we're, we're chatting for a minute, and we got to talk about these other quarterbacks, because so far we've only mentioned Nick Foles. Uh, well, actually, we also mentioned Case Keenum uh, and Jared Goff, but Case Keenum fits in this conversation, and Nick Foles fits in this conversation. Goff, he settled in with the Rams. But this upcoming offseason, we have a number of quarterbacks – and a number of teams who need quarterbacks. There's some in the draft, in Darnold and Rosen and Mayfield and Allen, and then there's some who just finished up very impressive seasons, like Foles and Keenum, and well, Alex Smith just changed, but Kirk Cousins. And there's a lot of moving parts, and everyone's decision will have a ripple effect. So, Kevin, we started off with Foles, so I'm gonna start there. Where do you see this man playing next season? I'm, that's a very interesting question. So with Foles, it's, I guess, a little different than 
uh, some of these other quarterbacks because he's under contract with the Eagles still. So the Eagles would, I don't know if they're interested in trading him. I guess it would depend on what they can get back. If they can get a first rounder back, which is possible after all of the, what we just saw in the playoffs. Like you can imagine that possibly a team would be interested in trading a first rounder for Nick Foles. Um, but I don't really know where I see him going. Like you said, he needs to go somewhere where I guess he could be the like like they they have the pieces around him to succeed. Uh, I think one place that could be interesting would be someplace like Arizona, mm-hmm. because they have the I really like good that. running game with David Johnson. They have a couple of good receivers with the eight. Is Larry Fitzgerald coming back again? Did he or did he say he was retired? I don't know. I'm gonna go with a yes. I feel like every season it's go, going forward. It'll be Larry Fitzgerald could come back because he's still good every season. I feel like, he's and he hasn't had too many good. major injury issues. But even with uh, aside from him, they have a couple good receivers uh, to throw to. Uh, I think they obviously would like to build on that offensive line. But I think Arizona would be a good fit for Nick Foles. And didn't he? Go, I think he went to college in. Arizona, right? I think he went to University of Arizona. So no, he uh, he actually went Did to Pitt, University of Pittsburgh. But since he's been in the NFL, he does uh, ads with the University of Phoenix. He has gone back for his degree. But he's a University of Pittsburgh guy, Larry Fitz. Oh no, I was talking about Nick Foles. Oh, Nick Foles, yes, Arizona. My bad. Sorry, I was still on Larry Fitz. I mean, I I, I love Larry. I love me some Larry Fitz. But yeah, I, I do love I, me I some Larry Fitz too. Wait, yeah, I just looked at wait, I just Wikipedia it. Just I was like losing my I was like, there's no way Nick Foles played at Pittsburgh. No, no, no. Nick Foles definitely played at Arizona. Larry Fitz was at Pitt. So the stars would align perfectly. Nick Foles, homecoming to Arizona. Yes. I think that and they have uh so I think that could be a good fit for him. Uh other than that, like some of these other teams that don't have quarterbacks like the Jets, I don't know if they really have the pieces for him to succeed there. Um, and the coach. Yeah. So I think having, um, he needs, like you said, if he's in the right situation, he can really succeed. But if he's in the wrong situation, things could get bad. Like, like what happened with the Rams. Essentially. Also, if I'm going to be a super, uh, candid here with you. The reason why I got, I got sidetracked when you were talking about Nick Foles before, and I thought you were still talking about Larry Fitz. I was reading, a tweet from Sportblog NYC, which is our Twitter account at Sportblog NYC, and I just learned that Todd Fraser is staying in New York, but he's going to be a Met. Oh wow, Todd Fraser to the Mets, very yeah. interesting. So Todd Fraser to the Mets is not breaking news to somebody listening to this podcast, but to you and I recording on uh, Monday evening, that's that's breaking news for us. So Todd Fraser, welcome to the Mets, good dude. Uh, you know, not the player he was some year, some years ago. But, I mean, I'm happy with that. He's a guy who can serve the role of Dave Wright except actually play. So, hey, I'll take it. That's fair. And that's my that's my quick take on that in like 10 <laughs> seconds. But let's get back to, uh, to quarterbacks and what's going on here. My take quick on Nick Foles before we move on is I think the Eagles are going to do whatever they can to keep him until I, next season, like you kind of mentioned. Because, like, why, okay, why so. would they trade him away not knowing Carson Wentz's full health? What if he's ready in week four? 
and you want Foles there for a couple of weeks, show him off, and then teams are like, maybe there's an injury. There's a lot of moving parts that can go in if you hold on to him, and I think that's the le- most likely scenario. I, I think that's uh, actually probably likely too in the sense that um, you never know what the situation is with Carson Wentz coming off the ACL injury. If he's not 100%, um, then maybe you start off season with Foles starting and you let Nick Foles get back. I mean, get you let Carson Wentz get back to 100% because, like we said earlier, uh, a big part of Carson Wentz's game is his mobility. So if he's not 100%, you don't want him running on it, possibly taking a lot of hits to it, even not sacks, but just hits from taking carries. Um, so... That that's definitely a possibility. He's right now the best QB two in the league for sure. Well, it <laughs> depends. Sure. It depends how you look at it because there are some of these guys like Case Keenum who I'm gonna I want to talk about next. Who we're not sure if he's a QB one, two, or, or three right now. Right? We have no clue where Case Keenum stands in the quarterback rankings of the NFL. He can get a big contract, or is he is he a free agent? I think so. Right? He's a free agent. So yeah, he can get a big contract. He can get signed and traded. Like, there's a lot of things that go down here. But I have this weird and kind of bad feeling for Case Keenum is that he's going to be competing for his job this season again. I think that too, but I think – you know what I think could happen with him? I think – I this might be a little crazy, but I wouldn't be that shocked if Minnesota franchises him. Really? I could see it. Where they don't want to commit long term to him, but if he has another season like he has this season, maybe then you say he's our guy. Well, what about what are they paying Sam Bradford right now? Isn't I think Sam Bradford is going to be a free agent also. So all three of their quarterbacks are going to be free agents. Oh my goodness, that is a god. That's a goddamn twister in the brain right there. Because I mean, think about it. If you're the Minnesota Vikings and you're Mike Zimmer, who who by all accounts is a very good coach, clearly just had a great season with Case Keenum at the helm. Teddy Bridgewater was drafted, had some nice moments, and you're like, all right, this could be our guy. And as soon as he becomes their guy, he gets hurt. Oh, no, well, Sam Bradford comes around. And then he's your guy for for one day in the season. And then he goes down. And then you're running with Case Keenum. And then he has this great season, and then you finish the season on a bad note, losing to the Eagles, and they're back to square zero, and it seems like, they can go in absolutely any direction. Like, would you be shocked if Case Keenan was the opening day starter of the Minnesota Vikings? Would I be? Sh- I think that's. I would not be shocked at all. I, I actually think that's the most likely scenario is that he's going to be the starter week one for Minnesota. I would be shocked if they actually let him walk. Does that mean bye bye Teddy or bye bye Bradford? I think. I think two of the three will be back. I think Case will definitely be back, and I think. I think Bradford's going to be gone. I think they're going to give Teddy another shot to be the backup, see if he can rehabilitate that. Because even when he came in for like a short period of time, he looked bad like this season. So um, maybe another season to get that, uh, to get himself fully healthy. Maybe he can compete for the job next year. But I think right now Case has to be their guy. He's the one guy who's, looked healthiest for the longest, if that makes sense. Which shouldn't be and, that shouldn't be the number one standard for quarterback, but it is for the Vikings. <laughs> it's sh- I mean, I think all three of them have had their successes in Minnesota, 
But like like they say, the old football adage, the best what is it? What do they say? The best durability. ability is availability, oh, right? Yeah. The best ability is availability. Is if you can't get on the field, uh, then what use are you? So, so you're saying Case Game is going to be in, in the Vikings? I kind of feel. I that. think. I, I don't know. You know what I find weird though, and it would be something we could learn more about if we get invited to Radio Row this year or next year. Uh, all, all these quarterbacks this year, like Alex Smith and Case Keenum, they were doing the rounds. You know, they were doing all the different shows. They were doing the ESPN shows, the Fox shows, the local shows. They were on everywhere, right? And then, literally after the day, Alex Smith goes on all these different talk shows. He gets traded, and then people are asking Case Keenum, like, "Hey, did you see that Alex Smith thing? What do you think you're going to be doing? Are you playing? Are you going to be on the Vikings next year?" It's just so weird. You got to sit there and say, "Well, I don't know. It depends if the coach wants me or not." Or if my agent's going to try to get me a big fat contract somewhere else. Like, I, it's just like such a bizarre world that they have to go through. But, I mean, hey, it's all for making millions and playing football. But it is quite the bizarre, just dynamic, in my opinion. I thought the one chance that Case Keenum was not going to be a Viking next year was if Pat Shermer went somewhere else. I feel like he wouldn't. It, Case Keenum doesn't really make sense to the Giants because they already have they have Eli under contract and then I think they want to start with a young guy there as a right. so let's say we talk about Arizona so let's say Pat Shermer took the job in Arizona they need a quarterback I think that if Shermer and Keenum may have been reunited somewhere like that that, that, that makes, makes sense. that makes a lot of sense actually and now. It also, the secondary one, uh, Nick Foles, that makes sense because he played for Arizona. So there's another connection there. And, and that's why we were talking before. It says every decision by one of these quarterbacks has a ripple effect. And even a decision by a coach can have a ripple effect as well. Think about the ripple effect alone that, ha- that happened, I should say, when Jimmy Garoppolo got traded to the San Francisco 49ers. So, oh, don't remind me. That makes me nervous. As I was telling... Uh... Actually, one of the uh, like my Uber driver when I was going to the stadium uh, for the Rams playoff game, I was like, I had to come watch the Rams in the playoffs because after seeing Jimmy Garoppolo play, I'm nervous that the Rams will never win the division in the next like 15 years because of Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I mean Jimmy G, man, he's the guy. I would be nervous. He hasn't too, lost yet as a starter, which is amazing. He, he's gonna go. He's gonna win at least like four or five to start next year, and people will be like, "Oh my God, Jimmy!" And he'll come down to earth a little bit. But I think he's gonna be he's gonna be the guy. But that changed a lot of things. So it also changed things in the draft. So they have one of these top picks here. Uh, so who are the quarterbacks we haven't mentioned that are like free agents or pending? Kirk well, Cousins. Well, I right? think the one guy that obviously is the biggest fish is Kirk Cousins. Right. So that's so. Hold on. Let me set this out real quick, and then I'll let you take the floor. So Kirk Cousins is the one guy left who we're trying to figure out right now. But then comes in. These teams that ha- that have uh, a pick between one and six, maybe one and 10, 15. I don't know how you value Kev- uh, Baker Mayfield. I don't even think he's a first round pick, but whatever. Um, but I, I I'm a s- Baker Mayfield guy. Oh, I'm good. I can't, Ma- can't wait to argue with you in a minute. But you have Kirk Cousins and you have these guys in the draft, and then maybe another name or two that we're not thinking of right now. But those are the directions left for about five teams to, to find a quarterback. So it's going to be very interesting. So, Kevin, take the floor with Kirk Cousins and where the hell he might end up playing football this year. So Kirk Cousins obviously going to have, I would say, the most suitors. And it's 
a very interesting situation. So unless Washington franchises him again, which I really hope they don't, uh, he's going to be, I would say, the first like real marquee quarterback in their prime free agent. Like you could say Drew Brees, but Drew Brees was coming off like shoulder surgery. People weren't sure if he was going to be good again. So he didn't actually have a lot of suitors didn't he when actually, he was leaving San Diego. Didn't he choose like the Dolphins or something and didn't pass the physical? Is that correct? I think that happened. Oh, I think it's something like – and the Dolphins ended up with what? Dante Culpepper, I think, <laughs> oh, that <yeah>. season. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the rest wow. is history. But um, <laughs> like, And then you've had like situations like Peyton Manning going to Denver, but he was toward the tail end of his career. He wasn't going to get like – this huge, huge contract. So he's going to be like the first guy that's like, we're going to see like the blank checkbooks come out with Kirk Cousins uh, because there will be a bunch of suitors for him. I know the Jets will probably be going after him. Cleveland, Denver, Arizona will probably be looking at him. Um, I honestly think one of the interesting places for him is if he would be interested in going to Cleveland. Really? I think that's interesting. Just take all RG3's old jobs, basically. That that would be interesting if (laughs) if Kirk Cousin was just the RG3 cucker. (laughs) Just going from place to place, screwing over RG3's job. That's a fantastic quote. I don't know if that's like a quote-worthy thing to use on Twitter. I don't think it is. If it is, I I don't know. That's hilarious, though. That really cracked me up. (laughs) Oh, but it cut. I actually didn't think of it until you brought it up, but – uh, it kind of makes sense. So unless you're – I think Cleveland, they have a ton of money to play with. They have a lot of young pieces and a lot of draft picks. Um, I don't know if they're in love with any of the quarterbacks. If they're, I've heard they like Josh Allen, who a lot of people are wishy-washy on. Uh, but if you think Kirk Cousins could be a guy that can bring some stability to your franchise – uh, and then you could possibly get use your two first round picks to even maybe trade down and stockpile more assets, or you can take just best player available and really build up that team. Because I actually think there is some talent on that team. Uh, it hasn't necessarily come to the light in W's, no, but sir. if you can bring an actual cor- pretty good quarterback into the fray there, and then surround him with all the young talent, all the high picks. I think Cleveland could possibly, uh, I don't, I'm not saying they'll win the division within this year, the next two years, but uh, I think that could be an interesting landing spot. If he would be interested in going to Cleveland with yeah. all that's you know, going on there, you know, what's important for Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns. What is important for them? Not being a laughing stock. And if they bring Kirk Cousins to Cleveland, they won't be a laughingstock anymore. Like, I agree with that. He has proven that he is good enough to compete in just about any football game and has a chance to win in any football game. I mean, if you're Cleveland right now, you have the pick. If you want to draft somebody, go ahead. Do it. Go for another shot. Take a swing. Throw Josh Allen out there first year, and he's going to get his head knocked off. He's going to be throwing picks left and right, and you're going to suck again. Sure, maybe he'll be the answer in the future. But you have an opportunity with Kirk Cousins to just put some respect on your name. You know? I think that's really important 
a lot of these teams, it's always in basketball, is the, is the biggest where it's like tanking, tanking, tanking. And other sports have adopted, MLB, NFL included, tank at the quarterback, tank at some picks, whatever. Sell, 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 and let's get assets. But there comes a point where you're clearly not turning it around, and that's where the Browns are. They've been there for a while. If you grab Kirk Cousins, you're probably not going to win your division. You might not even come close in his tenure. But if he can bring your team to win five, six, seven games a year in the first two, three years of his of his career there, that is exponentially better than you were before. And that is a good start. That's how I feel about it. Oh uh, Yeah, like you said, I agree with that. And in the NFL, you can kind of, I don't want to say worst to first, but you can get, you can make some turnarounds. Like you see, the Eagles, how many games they win last year, and now they're Super Bowl champs. Uh, the Rams, they went from the worst offense in the league to, I'm not going to say they're the best wait, offense, the, the but Eagles, statistically they scored the most points. Wait, the Eagles so, literally were worse the first. They were the worst in the NFC East, and then they won the NFC East and won the Super Bowl. Yeah, so you can make changes, and that division, there's going to be some turmoil in that division. Baltimore's not necessarily that great. Cincinnati's not that great. Pittsburgh, who knows what the future of Big Ben holds, what the future of Le'Veon Bell, obviously. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, that division, I don't want to say it's up for grabs, but it could be winnable in a season or two. So if you bring in a quarterback that is, like you said, just solidifies that position, and then you just surround him with tons of talent, which they had the draft pick arsenal to do. Um, they can be a competitor in that division sooner rather than later, I would say. So I think that's an interesting place that I don't know if that's on his radar, but if it is, I think that would be, honestly, I think that it sounds funny, but I unironically think that's the best place for Kirk Cousins. I think it's Cleveland. I think it's the best option for Cleveland. I'm not sure it's the best place for Kirk Cousins because if he if he's only going to top out at winning seven games, maybe sneaking in the playoffs as a wild card in Cleveland, he might as well be doing that somewhere a little better. But for Cleveland's sake, they should go after him. Is my point. Um, but let's keep it moving again because now we're talking about Cleveland. Wait, do you have nothing on Kirk or? Oh yeah. So if you don't think. He's can win there. So where do you think is the best place for Kirk Cousins? I think if Kirk Cousins can get into Denver, like he he'd be a happy camper with chance to grow. Like he'd have everything he has in Cleveland with a chance to grow. Like he'd be able to have a worst of first type moment where the Broncos were bad and he can make them very respectable, very competitive. And he has uh, some competent front office members who have clearly been able to make at least some good decisions and obviously bring a team to a Super Bowl. So I think Denver would be a spot I'd prefer if I'm Kirk, but I think I would consider Cleveland maybe. That's fair. <laughs> That's Kirk. That's fair. I think I'm just, I'm like intrigued by Cleveland. I know they're, like you said, they're a laughing stock, but I'm like intrigued by what they're kind of doing it Sixers y. Where they're just like stockpiling. Yeah, picks. but they're trying to win, I think. I'm sorry. Like, I don't know if they're doing the Sixers thing because. That oh, would... I don't think they're tanking necessarily because, but I think they're doing it. They're, I would say, asset asset management wise, they're doing it similar to the way the Sixers did. Not necessarily the, I, I agree with that. They're trying to win, which is, sad. and they're just not winning. <laughs> but in regards to stop, right now they have what? The first and the fourth pick this upcoming year. Yes. And they have tons of twos, 
multiple firsts in some years, multiple thirds, whatever. So uh, they're building the team the right way, actually. They just haven't put it together to result in Ws. But I think one of the ways that can happen is if you stabilize quarterback position. So. Well, and what uh, a direction they might go if they don't go for Kirk Cousins is in the draft, like you mentioned with those picks. So uh, I want to talk about these three quarter or these four quarterbacks quickly, actually, because uh, there is four guys to talk about, I guess, even though I kind of think it's just three. But Darnold, Rosen, Allen, and Mayfield are the four quarterbacks expected to go first in the draft. So out of these teams that we're talking about, you know, the Browns or the Giants in there because they're in, in the game, the Jets and the Broncos. What what fits do you see, and what uh, what way do you expect these quarterbacks to play out? I honestly am not a hunt. I feel like there not a lot of. I feel like not a lot of teams have like played their hands on what who they like necessarily. So I'll just say, I guess who I like. I we were talking about this in the previous segment. I glanced on. I touched on a little. I like Baker Mayfield. I think. I know people are saying he could be the next Johnny Manziel or he's just Johnny Manziel had his off the field issues, which I think were arguably more of a problem than his on the field. And he was never able to develop really in Cleveland. Um, But I think Baker Mayfield, there's just some that I think he's just a gamer. I know it's so lame to say, but I think he can make all the throws really good athlete. Um, and I just think when I'm drafting a quarterback, I want, I guess that dog in them and he's got it to me. So that I like Baker Mayfield. I know it's not the scouts way of looking at quarterbacks. I know you want the prototypical size. Like that's, prototypical not, my, that's not my strength. problem. You want to hear my problem? I have a couple. What is your, okay. Go for it. So first off, have you, have you heard Baker Mayfield be compared to Russell Wilson? Oh, I've heard a little bit. They're both. Uh, not the biggest guys, obviously mobile. Yeah. Right. So that's I've a, heard a little. That's a comparison that I hear. All right. Everyone says, oh, Drew Brees is six foot. He can do it. Russell Wilson is this and that. He he did it, and he won a Super Bowl. And that, right? But my thing is you can't compare a prospect to an anomaly. There's a reason that Drew Brees and Russell Wilson were not first-round picks. And now Baker Mayfield, because he caught the hype of the Heisman, that whole walk-on, to scholarship Heisman player, that that whole story. He had the rags to riches story. He was in the Heisman finals uh, two years in a row. He had it going, right, in college, so he got the hype. And all of a sudden now people are thinking he's a first-round prospect. But the people who made it out of the undersized quarterback bunch were not high praised. They were not expected to do this because nobody could have seen it coming, what they had. And when oh, you look I, at Baker Mayfield, I think that's fair. And his, I think that's a fair take uh, on your point. But right, so wait, hold on, one more thing. So people compare him to Russell Wilson, and meanwhile, he's not near the athlete that Russell Wilson is as far as speed. So all these little moments where he uses his legs, where you think Baker Mayfield is this athletic type quarterback, he's just getting away. College guys, I'll tell you what, in the NFL, he's not getting away of those guys. He's not using his legs the way he does uh, in college. Deshaun Watson, when he first started playing this year, he had the athleticism to actually use it to get away from guys and beat guys. Baker Mayfield's athleticism is nowhere near Watson or Wilson. He's not. I'm pretty sure uh, Baker Mayfield, Mayfield runs around a four seven. 
Wilson was a 4-4, four, 4-5. Four, four, it's a big difference. And this guy was a freak athlete. He got drafted into MLB. You know? Like, comparing him to someone like that just puts such a bad taste in my mouth. And that mixed with everything else, I just can't imagine him being drafted very high, being expected to play early, working out in his favor. But I don't necessarily think he needs to play right away. I know you want all of your first-round guys to play right away, and I wouldn't necessarily take him. I don't necessarily – I'm not necessarily – one of the reasons I actually like Baker Mayfield is I'm not in love with any of these quarterbacks, actually. But I think a good place for him, not at number two, but if they can trade back to the, in the first round, is the Giants. No shot. I think if they trade back no in the first round, they let him sit – behind Eli Manning with the quarterback whisperer, Pat Shermer. You know who I want? You know what? You know, he's wait, got no, no, a little no, no, bit no. in him? You know who I you want? You know who he's got a little bit in him? Case, Case Keenum. Keenum. Yeah, you know who I don't want drafted in the first round? Case Keenum. Even now. Even with what I just saw. You know who I want the quarterback whisperer to whisper to? Somebody who looks like Josh Allen, who's 6'4", or whatever he is, and a freak or even Rosen or Darnold have way more impressive features to their game and body. And Josh Allen's got all the physical traits, but I have not seen any of the game. Josh Allen, I do not. I know he's getting like all this hype about how he's huge. He's got the big arm. He's got the huge hands. I have not seen any of the game in Josh Allen. When I watch him on tape, he just, I don't see it. I don't see the accuracy. I don't see the, I don't know. I don't see the gamer is the right word. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I just don't see it with Josh Allen. I mean, my personal ranking is still Darnold Rosen Allen for me. And I see the gamer in Darnold and Rosen a little bit more. But I think Josh Allen has this dog in him right now that it might actually end up hurting him a little bit because he's been really cocky with some of these comments he's come out with lately saying how he's carried the team in college and he lost this guy and that guy and still was able to do as much as he did. So he was kind of diverting blame, which is not something you want your quarterback to do. Uh, and those types of things scare me from Josh Allen as well. But I'm just saying yeah, and he's talking like that and he, they didn't do anything. They were what, like seven and five or whatever. And. He, his stats were not that impressive. I, I'm not a Josh Allen guy. Like you said, he's him being that cocky. I don't think he's measured it in the. If he was, I know it's bad to like look at these things like he's not humble enough or whatever. I'm not a huge Josh Allen guy. I like Rosen and I like Baker. Those are the two guys I like in this draft. A I little. Think, I think Rosen and the Giants make sense. I could see that. But I also, I would love to have Darnold. I just always thought Darnold should be the number one guy. So I never thought the Giants had a chance. That's kind of how I felt about it. But now with all this stuff with Cleveland, it's going to be real interesting uh, which way it all falls and if the Giants even draft a quarterback. Because what the Giants do have in their pocket, whether it feels like it or not, is another year of bought time with Eli Manning. So if they don't like any of these quarterbacks, there's no reason for them to take one. And they could just wait. You, you like Darnold even though this year... I know he was good at the end of last year. He was not impressive at all to me this year. No, he had some some rough showings, but I saw enough of him making the right play, making big plays, and and wanting the moment and being a football player that I I appreciated for sure. Him or Rosen though for the Giants, I would like the best. 
I, I, I do have to say, I will actually have on a guest uh, uh, next week who we consider our draft expert. I forgot to shout him out earlier. Uh, maybe a little late, 55 minutes in. But Kevin Kennedy, no relation to me, Peter Kennedy. He's our draft guy and also a Cleveland Browns fan, Kevin. How about that? Oh, wow. And he's coming That'll on soon. I'll, I'll have to listen to that one for sure. He has his first-round mock like locked and loaded. It's It's been ready before Mel Kuyper's, I'm, I'm convinced. Um, <laughs> but we're going to have him on soon next week. Uh, Kevin, we actually have to we gotta get some to some basketball real quick. So we might have to put a pause on this conversation. Do you have any last words about the quarterback scene uh, in the NFL regarding rookies? or veterans alike? Uh, I think we've touched on a lot. I think we've touched on all of it that I wanted to touch on. So we can definitely move to the NBA. I love it. Also, Sports Blog New York Podcast, Kevin Law, Peter Kennedy, chit, chit-chatting about some sports, talking Super Bowl quarterbacks in the league and on the move. And now we're at one of our favorite other topics, which is the NBA. And this time, the New York Knicks. So, Kevin, uh, you are not a Knicks fan by, by trait, right? By heart. Oh yeah, I'm a Houston Rocket fan. Right. So yeah, let, let me actually hold on. I'm, let's I like give all a these weird teams. Let's get a quick <laughs> breakdown. So you're from New Jersey. You're now planted in Pen- in Pennsylvania. You're a Rams fan. You're a Rockets fan. Uh, can you give us some whereabouts to why and how? So I'm a. When I was growing up, so my parents are from China. So I didn't really like have a te- like I didn't like inherit a team from my parents or whatever. Um. And then when I was, like, growing up, I was like, everyone likes the Giants and the Jets, so I wanted to be, like, rebellious or whatever. And I think I, like, started playing Madden before I, like, actually got into football. And I was like, I always used the Rams because they had, like, the really exciting offense. They had greatest show on turf team. And then I started actually watching the Rams. That's when they were, like, pretty good. And that's when I, like, didn't actually care about football, so I just thought they were exciting to watch, so I became a fan of them. And then... But then when I really started to care about football, they started to suck. But I stuck with them through the whole – all of the suckiness. Uh, but now they're good. So hopefully they stay good at, as I'm becoming a young adult so I can enjoy them a little bit. Uh, in regards to the Rockets, I think it's pretty simple. I became a fan of the Rockets when they drafted Yao Ming. I thought that was like super cool that they have like this Chinese superstar. And then I've – through all the – they had, I guess, the Louis Scola and Kevin Martin days. Oh, I was yeah. a fan of them then. Oh, yes. But now they're... Wait, can I actually... Uh, uh, you... if, I, if, I, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the Rockets, since the Yao days, are still popular in China, and James Harden, subsequently, has become very popular in China? James Harden has become very popular. The Rockets are still very popular in China, I think... I think the NBA in general is growing in China, but I would say the Rockets, if there was like a team of China, it would still probably be the Rockets. And yeah, I've, I know that like James Harden like crushes shoe, uh, shoe, uh, shoe sales in China. He He's big out there. Uh, that's legit though. You know, it, it makes perfect sense, Kevin. You know, I was kind of the same with some of my secondary teams. I was like rebellious as a kid. So it was every time where it was like, you know, oh, the Bulls are playing the Jazz. I'm like, ah, I want the Jazz to win. They never won. And now as an adult, I've been the guy who's, like, screaming about the Patriots. And I don't know. I, I think I changed, man. I need to go back to my roots. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, but I still am a Knicks fan, tried and true at heart. And just like you did with the Rams, I'm going through some struggles with the Knicks. And we have these number of pieces now, one of which who just said he requested a trade, and a couple other pieces who have some perceived value in this NBA trade market. 
Uh, but it's important for you as an outsider, as an NBA outsider, mu- some might say. Uh, <laughs> shameless plug. You have the unbiased look at the New York Knicks. So when you see the three-headed tandem of Willie Hernan Gomez, who just requested a trade, Kyle O'Quinn, who has perceived value, and Enos Cantor, who has a very up-in-the-air value, but definitely some sort of value. What do you see in that three-headed monster of possible trade candidates? I think I'm always, when you're a bad team, I'm not about trading the young guy who's cheap. So I would not trade Willie. I would look to trade one of the other guys and give those guys minutes to Willie. Uh, we're talking about this before. I think Kyle O'Quinn, uh, you referenced uh, before the pod um, started, where NBA Math had him as uh, like one of the best guys, if not the best guy in the Knicks in regards to like total points added or uh, like the value to the team, essentially. Yeah, and, point, point saved from the defensive Yeah, point saved, yeah. So he's a low usage but uh, like high efficiency big guy who's really solid defender, good rebounder. I think a lot of uh, contenders could use a guy like that. And if he doesn't really have as much value on this Knicks team, I would say, as they're – kind of losing a decent amount. Um, so I wouldn't mind giving his minutes to Willie. I know Willie, if he's really unhappy and he's demanding a trade, I don't know um, what necessarily the market is out there for him. I'm sure a lot of teams would be interested in a young, uh, skilled big man like Willie. But uh, in regards to Enos Cantor, I don't know if his contract might be a little bit harder to move, but – in, compared to the other guys, because the Knicks would have to take some money back. But uh, I would say right now, Enos is uh, showing me the most in regards to what he does on the court. But I think uh, the best trade piece that they have is Kylo Quinn. And the guy I would like to see getting more minutes is Willie Hernan Gomez. So, so go, going through the whole triangle. Yeah, so... You are speaking from the heart of a Knicks fan, despite not being one. Uh, that's exactly how most Knicks fans are feeling right now. And to anyone out there who thinks this is some sort of surprise that he's requesting a trade, he's been saying this for months. Willie Hernan Gomez has had multiple quotes out there saying, you know, I'm here for my teammates. I love the Knicks. I love New York, but I want to play. And, like, if, I, if I'm not playing, I might ask for a trade. Like, I want to play. I don't care if, we're, like, this or that. I want them to win every night. I love my teammates, but I want to play. He's been very, very clear about it. So it should not be a shock. But what is the shock is that even after losing 7 of 10 right now, they've lost 7 of 10. Even before that, the previous 10, they lost more of those. It's not like Kyle O'Quinn, Enos Cantor, uh, and whoever's taking minutes, I guess Beasley takes some minutes too. It's not like these guys who take minutes from Willie are leading them to victories. So it just makes no sense. To as to why he doesn't get a game or two to play real minutes, like him coming in with five minutes left in a blowout does nothing for the Knicks evaluating him and does nothing for him getting in a rhythm, and it just could be so frustrating for a fan to have to watch a team lose and still not give a chance to the young guys. And I thought this era was over when Scott Perry came in, 
and it's starting to make me a little nervous. But now some of the blame might get shifted to Jeff Hornacek. And that's something I'm not sure how I feel about it exactly. But if you had to take your best guess, your best guesstimate, onto who's making this call of if Willie's getting minutes or not, would you say it's the front office or would you say it's head coach Hornacek? I think it is – I think it's Hornacek because I think since Phil has left, I think more of pressure has gone onto him where I think – I don't know if the media I – sp- I think the New York media – started to definitely sour on Phil. And I think a lot of, I guess the fault faults of the Knicks, e- even like their, what that we're seeing on the court was going towards Phil because everyone thought he was like kind of handcuffing the way Hornacek wanted to coach. So I think more and more pressure is going on a Hornacek to win games. So I think that's why uh, the decision is going more to play the, like the veterans. Do you think that means his job should be taken, possibly taken, if he's not doing the right thing for the franchise. I think I don't know if this is this is a weird thing to say. I don't know if that the this decision could be one that's like I guess franchise the make or bre- the make or break thing for Hornacek. Like I think Willie's a nice player. I would like to see him get more minutes, but he's not like a franchise like building block for sure and you know what's funny i actually i had a conversation on twitter with a bunch of people before uh and 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 my whole thing was is i i was one trying hard to make people tread lightly on willie because before the season steve mills and scott perry are proclaiming uh the cornerstones of the franchise christoph porzingis frank nilakina tim hardaway willie hernan gomez and ron baker well ron baker ron baker yes literally facts those are facts written on Word, and unless MSG.com took them down, they're still there. But That's amazing. <laughs> yes. So, one of those guys has a torn labrum. Sorry, Ron. I still love you. And one of those guys has more DNPs than games played. So, what's up? Right? Like, that. that's where, that's where it's at. So, I feel you, though. It's not a ground-altering transaction that's why i was trying to warn people before the season actually this is the point i was trying to get to sorry before the season when he's proclaimed cornerstone i'm trying to tell people tread lightly all right relax you know i like him too he's really great with both hands finishing around the rim he'll he'll have games where he's double doubles and i love it very good like him i like him a lot i don't know if he's a starter though i don't know if he is a true winning starter caliber center do you know that, Kevin? I don't know if you do. I don't know if anybody does. I don't think that anyone does, but that's why you got to play him. And that's you why gotta you got to play him. So before the season, I'm telling people, all right, chill out. Let's slow our roll on him. He'll be fine. And now I'm saying, oh, my God, I want us to tread lightly. Not this lightly. He's got to get some time. Give the man some run. Brings me back to the wreck days, Kev. I hear that. I hear that 100%. <laughs> man needs to get some run, man. He needs to, he needs to go to the rec center out there, start getting up some threes. He if he comes out in like a, a blowout, four minutes left in a game, and just like bangs up two or three threes, people be like, oh goddamn, he could shoot. Here's your first round pick. <laughs> Speak. Actually, this will actually transition to the, another NBA point I want to talk about. Are are we gonna are we good in the Knicks? Oh, you think for sure. Uh, there's there's uh, ne- there's always too much to talk about with the Knicks, so it's fine. Okay, so the thing in the NBA that I kind of want to talk about is 
So since I've moved to like PA, I've kind of become the Sixers have kind of become my second team. I do I watch them a decent amount because they're always on TV, and I I was a process guy, even more than oh, I was like a Sixers guy necessarily. I was a I my Sam Hinky shirt, um, but I think Markel Fultz. They either need to shut him down or they need to give real timelines to his situation. I'm tired of seeing videos of him taking busted-ass free throws or busted-ass threes or doing... So the other day, like a week ago or something, uh, on our SQ Twitter account, at Sports Quotient, uh, we tweeted out a video of him doing his like behind-the-head three-quarter court shot that went in or something. And the replies were all, like, roasting him. Like, oh, he can do this, but he can't make a free throw. He can do this, but he can't make a three-pointer or whatever. Or, oh, this should be his normal shooting form or something. Right now, all these videos of him that are coming out of him taking busted-ass free throws or busted-ass three-pointers or even ones that are going in and him just getting roasted on social media or getting roasted in the real media – they're doing nothing for this kid's comp. They're destroying this kid. They either need to shut him down, say he's done for the year, or they need to give like real timelines of when he's going to get back on the court. I'm, like I said, I'm tired of seeing these videos of him taking warm-up shots, whether they be ugly, whether they be beautiful, real shots. We either need to get a timeline of when we're going to see him on the court or we need to say he's not playing this year, period. Absolutely. I mean, it's tough. Like you said, it's all about his confidence because if, if this is really not an injury, which some people believe it's not an actual injury, they think it's mental, right? That's a real thing that people believe. It's only mental, there's no injury, right? Or there was an injury, and now it's mental. Whatever people think. Clearly, this guy's shook. Markel Fultz is shook when he has the basketball in his hand and he's going for a three. He doesn't, he doesn't feel right. He doesn't look right, and it's weird. And if you want to save this man, that's what you got to make. Got, got to pick a side. The Sixers need to pick a side, basically. You need to put him back in the process, or throw him in, into the wolves. I don't know. That's a. I, I'm I'm with you on that. I actually have another small Sixers take. Actually, I don't know if this is considered small. I just had another Sixers thought that I wanted to get off my chest. I wanted to get your thoughts on. This. Is it Tyreek Evans? Because yes. It's not a move they should make. Okay. It, it's. Ben Simmons is right-handed, right? Oh, 1,000%, yes. Been saying it on the outsider since day one. Ben Simmons, like, he looks, I mean, finishing around the basket, he's pretty natural with both hands. But I think he's just got, I guess, during the season it's tough to do. But this offseason, he should just take right-handed jump shots. Literally find, get a shot doctor, and become a right-handed jump shooter. Because I do not think he's a left-handed jump shooter. I mean, when you see him take those floaters and runners with the right hand from with the right hand, they look so smooth right? and so natural. From the elbow, that, that can elbow extended, to post a, extended, running hook shots—it's great. Yeah, I think he's a right-handed player. And I remember I was listening to one Sixers game, and they were talking about how, like, I think when he was little or something, his dad told him that he couldn't use his right hand or something so he could get his left hand better, and then he became a left-handed player. I think what? he's naturally right-handed. That's crazy. I think he should 
shoot the ball right-handed. Is that a real story or did you just make that up? I don't – I feel like I heard it. Don't, do not quote me <laughs> so, on it, so, I guess. So you might but have heard I something and made sworn, something up? I might be – this might be fake news, but I could have sworn I heard that on one of the Sixers broadcasts. I'm running with it and I'm telling everybody I know. This is going to be Kevin's breaking news on <laughs> – <laughs> I love it. Oh, man. Also, the Sixers should totally go for Tyreek Evans since I mentioned that before. Uh, great piece out there on a bargain. God dang bargain. Tyreek Evans, he's playing super well. One of the better players in the league this year. I'll say it. He's been very good this year on a really bad, crappy Grizzlies team. So get him out of Memphis. Sixers should save him because they need some more little playmaking slash ability to get to the rim and get their own shot. And he could shoot threes now. He's shooting like 37%. He would be huge for the Sixers. Yeah, that's actually another reason I want to see Fultz play. Because I think, obviously, if they add Tyreek Evans, that would be that would be nice. But Fultz is kind of what they need. They need secondary playmaking. All, not all their offense can go through Simmons and Embiid. They need a guy off the bench who, like and, a guard off the McConnell. bench who can... I love TJ McConnell. I think... Me too. I, that's why I brought him I up. I am TJ McConnell in rec, rec basketball. People can who have played with me can confirm or deny that. I'm just like, a he has better, he has better hair. I'm sorry. That's fair. <laughs> I, I, I can, I can concede that to TJ. <laughs> it but, just doesn't move. It's uh, perfect. He's not a playmaker. Like he's a great piece to have and he's value. He's definitely value add on any basketball team, but you need that secondary playmaker for that second unit. And that's, what Fultz can bring if he can get on the court. And he's right, in my opinion. I agree. That's another reason I'd I like think, to see him on the court. I think he can bring that and then some if he gets on the court. So shout out Markel Fultz, bro. Go eat some Chick-fil-A and get back get back to your old ways, man. Come on. That's what I'm got with him. that 100%. They tried to take away fast food, and he was like, no, I'm not shooting anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he's out on that. <laughs> All right, well, I think we're going to have to scrap the A-Rod and Jeter conversation that we were planning on having, which would be fun. So maybe we can do that again soon. We do have some time to kill until baseball comes around, so it could be a good time to fill it up uh, when we're waiting for the season to start. But it is the trade deadline this week, Kevin. So if I'm going to mention some names to you, I just want you to tell me who you think might get moved. DeAndre Jordan, Lou Williams, Hassan Whiteside, Tyreek Evans. Uh, I don't think Whiteside is going to get moved. I think the way the Heat are – the Heat have been amazing this year – Mad props to Eric Spolstra. The Heat have been awesome this year. So As, I'd did prob- you say that? They just lost the game to the Magic, by the way. But, yeah, they have been really good. Every, anyone can lose to anybody in the end. The Thunder have – not the Thunder, the Warriors, they got the doors run off them the other day or whatever. So in one-game situation, I'm not going to look too much into it. But the Heat overall have been really good this year. Definitely exceed expectations. Um, other guys – I think both the Clippers guys that you mentioned, DeAndre and Lou Williams, I want to say they're going to get traded. I think they're getting very actively shopped, and they could be game changers on, especially if they get moved somewhere to the Eastern Conference, where I think the Eastern Conference is pretty wide open. Um, I think they've definitely hit that when they traded Blake Griffin, they've kind of have signaled the direction they want to go with the franchise and that they want to kind of rebuild and reset the franchise a little. And 
uh, DeAndre and uh, Lou Williams are both guys that could fetch uh, maybe some hefty packages in return. What do you think about the two guys who were offered for DeAndre Jordan today, J.R. Smith and Tristan Thompson, who seem to be two of the pieces the Cavs are willing to move? I'm sure the Cavs are willing to move them, but I don't. I, I wouldn't uh, take them unless if that Brooklyn pick is involved, then it could be interesting. But I don't know if the Cavs are interested in moving that pick. I'm just, uh, I'm but, just saying, what team in the world needs J.R. Smith and Tristan Thompson making that much money on their roster? I mean, no one, come on, zero, zero teams need that. <laughs> I'm glad you reacted the way you did, because that's exactly how I felt about the entire thing. Um, also, another one I, qu- I find quite interesting is the Jordan Clarkson-Julius Randle con- conflict concept going on. They might both get traded. They might get traded together. They might get traded separate. What do you think of Clarkson and Randle? The Lakers, in general, are like interesting to me. I know they have, obviously the ball family circling or circling the wagons in regards to the Lakers. They have all the hype of, will LeBron go there? Will he bring Paul George? Will Russell Westbrook go there? Will any number of potential free agents go there? I don't know what the deal is with the Lakers. I don't know what they want to do. I have literally am clueless when it comes to the Lakers. They could do anything really, and it wouldn't surprise me that much, I feel like. I agree, and I think Randall has some value. I think he can get something for him, and I don't think he's a guy who's going to be a long-term Laker because if they get one of the, one or two of these free agents that they want, they're not going to be able to pay Julius Randall even a modest $10 million a year they're not going to want to do. you know. So they're going to need to find other pieces and young guys who they can pay a little better. Actually, that would be a very kind deal for Randall. He would never, he would never settle for that little, but... That's the point is why I think they would trade him and or Clarkson because both of them are going to be able to test the market and get paid a little bit. So why not move them now? Um, One more slew of names uh, I want to drop on you. They've been mentioned together. Marcus Smart from Boston and then Moutier and Malik Beasley, who I think is a low-key good player on uh, the Denver Nuggets. I think Malik Beasley is low-key good. I think Moutier is bad. (laughs) I don't know why. So you're out on Moutier. So – I, we we're actually making a joke today. We have like our SQ group me's and someone brought it up where I guess Marcus Smart w- is being shipped for uh, shopped for like a first round pick because I, they don't want to pay Marcus Smart and they have a ton of guards. So and they were like the Nuggets are willing to offer Emmanuel Moutier for Marcus Smart. And I was like, no, duh. Emmanuel Moutier is bad. I, I <laughs> That's like me going into a bar full of supermodels and saying, I'm willing to date you. <laughs> what do you yes. Why, you, Obvious- you don't think you'd have a line to you know, fend them off? I'm surprising. That's in my dream that <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a line fending them off. But in reality, I don't think that would be the case. So I, that's kind of how I would relate to this Emmanuel Moody situation to like – Similar to when the Sixers were shopping Jaleel Okafor. Like, great. They're shopping Jaleel Okafor. Who wants Jaleel Okafor? But I guess they got a trade partner for him, but they didn't get anything really for him. Um, So, same thing with Moutier. There's not really 
much value in him. I, I see. Um, them shopping him is not earth-shattering news. Especially with the means. play of Jamal Murray lately. I mean, that guy has been on fire. Oof. When he when he crossed Stephen Adams, I I screamed. It, it hurt, <laughs> I thought it hurt that my was feelings so... a little bit actually. Like it hurt me on the inside. Stephen Adams went down. I literally thought he might have got sniped. That was that was quite a funny video. That was from uh, I mean, I actually you know what's funny. I had just turned it on because I was on I was in the car. I had it li- I was listening to it through my league pass, and I get home, I turn it on, and I like the second play I see. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm like, i got to find this on Twitter. I type in your boy, Wob, boom, had it in like three seconds. The guy's incredible. 100%, yeah. Well, actually, yeah, whenever, I'm, whenever I know something happened in the NBA, I know to check his Twitter. It's un- <laughs> I'm with it's you un- on that. He must have a team of people. There's no way one human can do all that posting. It's incredible. Actually, I think he does a lot of his own posting. When I actually, when I talked to him, he, and I know he's tweeted about it because none of his videos are like super HD or anything. Oh, yeah. They're all like, like filming it from his kind phone. of like home video videos. And that's kind of what I like. They're like authentic. They're not like super pristine or whatever. They feel like real. They make it. He's like he's a fan like one of us, but he's just more famous. I think I once said this from the uh, NBA Outsiders account on Twitter that he is the realest, most OG NBA outsider. But now he's now he's too big. He's not an outsider anymore. He's, he's legit. I feel that he's an outsider at heart, though. I think, like one hundred percent, like you said, with the home the home videos, the his iPhone just recording his computer screen type things, like. Gotta love that man, near and dear to the heart, and goddamn, his his funny as hell. His names change every day, and they're always impressive. It's a, it's great. He is as ingrained in NBA Twitter as trolling Kevin Durant. I agree with that one hundred percent. Like it, it's as ingrained as well, maybe not. Nah, honestly, no. This one's gone cross sport. Wild was mostly basketball, but Kevin Durant with the uh, different jersey on, like t-shirt jersey, saying my next chapter. <laughs> that meme? <laughs> yeah, that's that's taken on its own persona, actually. I remember I'm glad he he's become almost he's become self aware of that meme at least. He posted so, it once, right? Do you see his yeah, I don't know if he posted on Snapchat or Instagram or whatever, where he posted the picture of He's like, it says my next chapter and had LeBron's face on it because he got picked by LeBron's team yes. uh, for the All-Star game. I thought that was very funny. I was I was happy for KD that he's become a little bit more self-aware on his social media things. I totally agree. Where, and you know what? I listened to the Bill Simmons podcast where he did a two-part Q&A with like, uh, the mailbag. And I really appreciated it. I liked what he was saying. I thought he was being super honest. And I kind of supported him the whole time, I guess, throughout the Golden State thing. And, and I was telling my one friend, I was like, yeah, I feel like it's really nice that Kevin Durant's, like, steering into the joke. He's trying to, like, play along with it. He's not being like petty anymore. And my friend just shut me down real quick and said, no, you just always defended him, so you still like him. Like, he's still a snake. And I was like, all right, man. I tried. The guy's trying to be a normal dude again. Just let him be. You know, I love watching Kevin Durant, and I had no problem with him going to the Warriors, actually. I just – I think he's become kind of corny, like kind of like fake tough guy. Like like you said, all this petty BS, like the burner Twitter. Like I think he's just become kind of like – kind of a tool. I don't know if that's the right word to say. But like you know what I'm saying where he just become like 
before when he was at OKC, I feel like he was just a hooper. Like he was just about ball. And now he's kind of just like, he's trying to become like all these things that he's trying to like, Oh, everyone who talked bad about me when I went to golden state, he's trying to like get rid of all the haters or whatever. Uh, I, I I'd rather him just like play ball, but seeing he's becoming a little bit like self aware he's willing to like laugh at himself a little. I think that's a sign in the right direction for, uh, Kevin Durant. For real. I couldn't agree more, Kevin. Uh, this has been a blast for real. Kevin law, the sports com, my old, pal from college can we say that now are we old enough to set call each other old pals from college oh don't say that that breaks my heart i feel like i feel like when i work my regular nine to five and then whatever i'm doing i feel like i feel like an old man even though i'm 23 years old (laughs) i feel like an old man so don't say that (laughs) you know what i was thinking this morning walking into my regular job in the city i was walking through manhattan right to my office like i do every day and I was thinking about Philadelphia, and I was like, I'm imagining those few, you know, prideful, tough individuals who said, I'm going to go to work on Monday. And they're just walking through the streets of Philadelphia, looking around, and there's just look, look like mayhem. It's like an apocalypse <laughs> town. And I was just picturing me walking to work through uh, a post-parade Manhattan that's, like, wrecked. And it sounds, sounds pretty interesting. I'm sure some Philadelphians can, can attest right now. I'm sure they could. Yeah. Well, I was actually, I was walking to my car. So I slept in Philadelphia last night and then I had to drive uh, into work. And when I was walking there, I was walking through, it wasn't too bad, but you could still see that there was some, some wreckage. (laughs) Wreckage sounds like a good word. Uh, But man, hopefully Woj and Shams, Shams Sharania, they wreck our phones with notifications on some awesome fun trades coming up for the NBA. But, Kevin, this is all we got for today. You got any last words for the SBNY podcast listeners? Real quick, I guess, because you just brought them up. Woj is, I think, back on his game. I remember last, uh, I think it was off season, kind of when Woj was start, like, making the transition to ESPN. Like, Shams was, like, beating him on all the scoops. I think Woj is back as the A guy. You know Shams I is, think, like, our age. He's only a year older than us. That's crazy to me. How do you feel? That he's... Makes me feel like, what am I doing with my life? This dude is uh, the the sham god, the shams god. <laughs> shams god, nice. I like that. Me, me and you are on the SBNY podcast with 100 listeners where most of them have definitely checked out by an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> but he's Anyone who's still here, I appreciate you. <laughs> For real. That is the truest word spoken all night after our night of banter. Kevin, thank you so much. Kevin Lowe, the Sports Coach. My name is Peter Kennedy. Thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great day.